Hey everyone, welcome to the Montague Reporter Podcast. This is a regular episode. Mike Jackson, the managing editor of the Montague Reporter newspaper, is here. Hi, Mike. Hello. Sarah Brown Anson, the producer of the Montague Reporter Podcast, is also here. Hi, Sarah. That's me. (laughs) Mike, it is town meeting season. Is that what May is known as around here? For some people. People whose job it is to work directly for the towns definitely think of it as town meeting season. But yes, this is the time when all of the towns are trying to get you know any anything that they need to change in the town budget for next year, get it in and get it approved. And it's also the time that whenever the town bylaws um, are getting changed, and we have four coverage towns here, Montague, Gill, Irving, Leverett, and Wendell at the Montague Reporter. And Four of those towns have what are called open town meetings, which means anyone who shows up who's like a registered voter can can vote as part of town meeting. And then here in Montague, we have a representative town meeting. And it ends up being a fair amount of news churn for us at the newspaper. And once it's all through, you can kind of see everyone around the town halls kind of relax once they've gotten through that big part of the year. So town meetings handle spending, is that right? That's a big role of town meetings? Yeah, the town meeting is, you know, around here, the highest sovereign kind of authority in the, in the towns, mm-hmm. and then the staff kind of report to them. To what extent that is a legal fiction <laughs> is up for debate, and actually kind yeah. of, you know, I think varies town to town. You know, there's some towns where town meeting is really a formality, and some towns where what happens at town meeting really drives a lot of what, what the town does, what the public sector in that town ends up doing for the year. So uh, we've got a little bit of a mix here. Here, I would say even among our towns as far as that goes too. So I grew up in Leiden and I went to a town meeting a few times and it was more like you know doing my duty I guess checking the box but there was always some debate about spending and like is the town being responsible and all these things. I lived in Montague from 2016 to 2018 and that was the first town I had ever lived in that had like this representative town meeting and I did not know what it was at all when I moved to town. I thought, you know, every town just has the kind of town meeting you can just walk into and participate, but Montague has kind of a different model there. Did you discover that because you were dragged out by a constable? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) I think I was just like starting to pay attention to town meeting and then I was like, oh, like I could run for it. Hmm. Or maybe someone told me, oh, I'm a member of town meeting. And I was like, what? (laughs) Well, as it turns out, they're always kind of looking for more people. They'll fill it in the spring. And then usually by the next spring, there's some holes. People will have moved out of town or, you know, dropped off the map, sometimes pass away. And there's usually more open seats than people run at the town election. So our town clerk, Deb Borbeau, is, is always out there encouraging people to, you should join town meeting. You should... Montague is one of the smallest towns with representative town meeting. Mm-hmm. I think the last time I really looked into this, there was a town that was smaller that had it, but whose population was also under the minimum limit for how large a town needs to be to have it. So I think at that point, which might have been about 2015, my conclusion was that Montague might be the smallest town to legally use representative town meeting. But I, I wouldn't uh, hang my hat on that statement right now. Mm-hmm. When I first moved here, you know, my take on it was a little bit like, is this a thing to try to limit participation? Are they trying to keep the rabble out? Why does this happen? And then, 
you know, really watching the process and, and listening to people here in town and why they think it's important and also looking back at the kind of 50s, 60s when they were deciding to put it into place. It's an attempt to safeguard, you know, one part of town, kind of like steamrolling, you know, packing the meeting and uh, mm. um, steamrolling the interest. So it's kind of an attempt to, to spread the representation um, proportionately by population around the town geographically mm. and in a town where there's a really wide geographic variety. It's kind of like in some ways an attempt to safeguard <laughs> representation, but certainly an imperfect system as we'll get into. Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit more about the Montague town meeting, which already took place a few weekends ago, but I was hoping you could give us either a recap or a preview, depending on the town, of the four other towns in the Montague Reporters coverage other than Montague. Sure thing. We are recording this in the spring of 2022. If any historians or, or you know, curious people are, are listening back from the distant future, uh, we're two years and two months now into a global pandemic, COVID-19, where if you're in the same room as other people indoors is kind of the ideal setting to, to catch it if it's if it's going around. So this thing has, has been getting worse and getting better and getting worse and getting better. And meanwhile, everyone's trying to kind of plan their lives around this. And in some cases, their governments around this. Montague has 120 26 members of town meeting. They've done it a couple different ways. They've had it outside. A lot of the towns have, have had them outside and, you know, they're trying to get life back to normal. So most of them have been inside this year, but we're doing this in mid-May. And right now, you know, we're, we're heading into kind of the, I guess, fifth or something like wave of COVID cases are rising. And so that's the backdrop. Is it safe for people to be in these town meetings? So Leverett had theirs a couple of weeks ago. That's a town that really loves its its town meeting. What does that mean if they really love their town meeting? It's like a big deal. It's like, you know, one of the times people uh, in that town kind of see each other. There's a lot of like pomp and, and circumstance and also, you know, sandwiches. We had sandwiches in Montague too. I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak it up, but it was, a, you know, a real social vibe. I've covered that one a few times. Jeff Singleton covered it for us this year. And people who are, of all the town meetings I've been to, um, the most palpably invigorated to be sitting usually in an auditorium. They do it in the cafetorium at the Leverett Elementary School. The fire department volunteers all come out and get clapped for oftentimes. And they um, they actually, they're the one town in state that instead of having a normal election for, for town offices, run the elections from the town floor. So all of their town officials are actually nominated and then voted from the floor of town meeting by this kind of, you know, whoever shows up that day meeting. And yeah, so, you know, you get different flavors in the different towns. Irving had theirs last Wednesday and banged everything out in like 90 minutes and everything passed unanimously. Yeah. Those are people who are like motivated to get out of there, (laughs) to get it done in 90 minutes. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. And everything is is at these things kind of like prepped so extensively by committees and by Mm -hmm. staff, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, this particular article, you know, the finance committee approves it, the select board approves it. You know, nine times out of 10, unless someone's got like a particular ax to grind, um, they're going to say, okay, like these people probably know better than me. Mm. Maybe ask a couple of questions about it so they understand what's going on. But um, Mm -hmm. by the time something gets to the floor of town meeting, a lot of times it's kind of expected to have, you know, the the heavy lifting done with it. And then sometimes Mm -hmm. we'll get something that's a real controversy 
ends up taking up like an hour of the meeting. But Irving seems to have uh, got through that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then from when we're recording this coming Monday, uh, the 23rd, Gil is going to do it. Gil, oftentimes in the past, pre-apocalypse times, they would like do a thing where they would get through the first part of town meeting and I think get up through approving the operating budget, which they have to do statutorily by a certain date according to the state and then table the rest of it and then come back at another time so they're they're used to having these kind of one two um split uh, town meetings a lot of years they're going to try to do that this year and then we heard just this week kind of last minute they decided not to do that they want to get try to see if they can get through the whole thing on the first night which is uh, the 23rd i haven't asked anyone straight up but my suspicion is because of you know the covid risk they think that trying to get everyone in once and, and done with is probably a better idea do you think it might have to do with quorum as well? or? Yeah, it might be. I mean, th- those two things are kind of two sides of the same yeah. coin, right? Like in an open town meeting, I think it's like it needs to be a certain percentage of the res- registered voters. So I don't know how, how many that is in Gill. If people are concerned for their safety and, and well-being, they're less likely to come out. So, yeah. Um, and then Wendell's got one scheduled for June 4th. Yeah, Montague's almost didn't. <laughs> didn't make quorum. Yeah, you had a really well-written, interesting article about the experience of waiting for enough people to show up to make a quorum so that the town meeting could begin. Yeah, Elizabeth Irving, who is a member from Precinct 1, had an op-ed in, in our May 12th edition that was, was kind uh, of like yeah. a minute-by-minute run-through of, of I that. I love that. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. And especially, you know, it's a really good, I think, compliment to Ivor the Dry, kind of like, and then this article passed, kind of uh, write-up of it, because um, I was in there too. But mm-hmm. So there's 126 representatives in Montague. It's like six precincts. Everyone has 21 reps from their precinct. So out of that, a quorum is only half plus one. So they only need 64 people there. To get a quorum. And this is, mind you, out of a town with like, you know, 8,400 people in it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the highest political body of the town could barely assemble itself this year. Deb Borbeau, the town clerk, was pacing around the lobby for a good half hour, going through people's phone numbers and calling them up and saying, you know, any chance you could get up here? Any chance you can get up here? And, you know, she uh, she managed to get a few people to drive up to the high school and, and come in and, you know, they're practically chaining the door shut um, when number 64 walked in. <laughs> you mean, like, no one can leave because we have to get this business done? Right. I mean, and it, it does come up. The most amazing moment of the, I think, the whole town meeting was not when Adit Cunha number 64 walked in, but when 35 out of the 36, I think, articles had already been <laughs> dispensed with, someone noticed that the vote on the 35th one uh, added up to less than 64 by a, a good amount. <laughs> and everyone had been in there for, you know, six hours or seven hours or whatever at that point. Six hours? What? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it started at like 830 in the morning, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, I've been to I, Somehow waivers. I, like, missed that in the article that it lasted that long. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone breaks for lunch and goes to the cafeteria, mm-hmm. and there's, like, Subway sandwiches, and, you know, everyone 
you oh. know, gets this terrible flashback to, to high school and oh. they have to figure out which table to sit at. And I sat this year with the Montague Community Television crew. Yeah, we were the like the, the A V kids it felt like and <laughs> the press pit. Um no no, these are these are long you know, Leverett's usually goes, you know, all day too. You get out of these things too and it's like in May and there's like birds chirping and people out mowing their lawns and you know people doing like normal like human stuff and, and you're like blinded from this bright yeah. light in your eyes yeah all of the, the government mole people emerging from the yeah but you know it was overcast this year so it didn't feel like such a such a wasted day but yeah i mean everyone had been there for a good long time and what happens with the quorum is is you know once it's established, it's established until someone, if, if someone wants to take a, an official count of the room, then that might change things. But, you know, it only changes things going forward from that point. So if people had gone home during the course of the day, no one was noticing. <laughs> but this guy suddenly was like, wait a minute, how is this legal? Ah, and the town's lawyer had, had to, you know, explain the situation. And that if someone had asked for at that point an official call and if it had come in short of quorum then that 26th <laughs> final article the town would be obliged to reschedule <laughs> the rest of town meeting to bring back a quorum of people just for just to discuss that one article which in this case was like a non-binding referendum on whether to tax the rich so mm -hmm. the heads were not counted <laughs> and <laughs> People were practically like throwing their binders at this guy for, for bringing it up. So, Mike, what were the main highlights of the substance of the Montague town meeting? Everything passed. One thing that was pretty interesting is that they approved taking the, the police department out of civil service. And there there was some back and forth on that, but, you know, it, it passed pretty easily. That's um, something that, you know, in years past, there's been a lot of debate on in town. And at this point, the police apparently said you know we don't we don't want this anymore it's making it a lot harder for us to hire i think that uh chief williams said that the last time they went to make a hire there was only two people provided on the list by the civil service so you know without getting too far into the nuts and bolts of that i thought that that was one of the the more significant things one of the things that was kind of right on the line of, of passing in some ways was um a new bylaw which they have in a lot of towns it's called a demolition delay bylaw which is intended to uh, let the town, via the Historical Commission, be able to put a pause or delay on the demolition of, of a, a building that's historic. And this came in the wake of the planned demolition, at this point, of the, of the Fair and Care Center, which is in Montague mm -hmm. City. Um, now, everything in downtown Turner's, and now everything in Miller's, is on the historic um, register, the federal uh, historic register of places. And that doesn't encompass Montague City. The town has kind of done it, been doing it by neighborhoods, and that, for whatever reason, definitely Historic Hospital wasn't on that list. You know, that's not like a, a silver bullet for, you know, you have to keep a building standing forever, but it kind of, you know, gives some leverage, if it were. And so, kind of the, the reaction to, oh, wait, you know, there, there might be some truly historic buildings in town that don't have any kind of, like, means of protection. The bylaw, some people felt, was overly broad, it would have automatically put anything that's over 100 years old into that bucket. What ended up happening was they just amended it to take out the 100 years thing, which actually made it kind of like flimsy, and then it passed. So, you know, kind of no one was happy at the end, but <laughs> they were almost done with the meeting at that point. So I think if it had come at the beginning, um, you know, it would have been much more of a knockdown, drag out fight. And then the other one was to give our town administrator uh, an assistant town administrator. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like I've been hearing about that for a little while. It's been under debate since kind of November, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't like the idea, but it passed. Um, and I think for me, the big picture with that is this like long-term shift toward grant funding and what that means. Like so many of the resources that that come down to municipalities from the from the federal and state level, instead of just being like everything proportionate to population or, you know, according to formulas, there's been a real move toward kind of um, competitive grants for different pools of money. And Montague's been getting a lot of this money. And town hall staff made a convincing case that like, if we had more people doing this work down at town hall, uh, it would more than pay off for the town in terms of resources that could be pulled into the town. And that's the, the bottom line. Mike, would you like to discuss at all the uh, Board of Health election and the Montague Town election that just happened last week? Oh, this week, not last week. This is being recorded on a Friday and the election was on Tuesday. Indeed. Yeah, overall, not a lot of excitement here in our towns. I'm thinking about all the towns and, you know, I think a lot of them there's situations with one candidate for a seat in some cases zero candidates for a seat um Mm -hmm. there's some some open spots on a lot of um you know in a lot of these towns uh the the one big race was for the board of health we have had some reporting montague reporter fans will have followed this from the outside as a reader (laughs) like what's your take on this arc of the plot that you saw sarah it just seemed like There was a possible inappropriate use of town funds, but it was prevented before it occurred, and then it got a lot of attention on the Board of Health election, and there were four people running for one seat, which seemed really exciting and unusual. Like, once in a while, there's an election where multiple people run for one seat, so... It's been a confusing story. It makes sense to me that the Board of Health is the one where there's a lot of energy being directed at. You know, we're, we're in a pandemic, and so, you know, there's a lot more work on that department, kind of a lot more of, of a demand, and also they're in the public view. Last year, a longtime member was unseated by a challenger. Melanie Zamoyski won in 2021. And this year, um, a second longtime member announced that he wasn't going to be running again. And so four people filed papers. We had originally wanted to have a debate, um, but it couldn't work out for a number of reasons. We never really came together. We got everyone to write up statements for one of the papers and then, you know, just kind of hoped that that would be enough. And then I was going to, you know, be writing um, an article in, in the last week, you know, and hoping to really delve more deeply um, with the candidates about their views. We got a public service announcement from the health department staff that week advertising um, a push to put out bags for people to pick up their dog's poop with. (laughs) There's a a statute (laughs) here in Montague, um, the, the pooper scooper regulation that's about maybe 10 years old at this point, where um, people who get busted um, not picking up their dogs or cats, technically poop outdoors um, can get fined. And that fine, I think starts at $25 and then then escalates um, rapidly after that. This is on the books, but little enforced. And 
one of the four candidates, Maureen McNamara, had, had actually made it a campaign platform piece. The department staff was making a big push about it. They've installed stations with bags in seven villages and wanted to publicize it. And also that all was signed by Kathy Burek, who is a part-time staff member of the health department as the, the town's inspector of animals and barns and was also one of the four candidates for the seat. She's been the inspector of animals for like 10 years and had never gotten involved with helping publicize uh, the enforcement of the pooper scooper regulation. And I kind of had concerns that it looked like election driven <laughs> to mm-hmm. me. And a reporter, uh, Jeff Singleton, who covers the select board, you know, when the board of health came to the select board that we kind of asked about it. And by happy coincidence, we therefore found out that the department had also requested the names of all the dog owners in town and had prepared a glossy two-sided mailer to all 1,200 of them with uh, this person's name on them uh, the week of the election and caused a big stir. It seemed like internally at town hall, the town clerk told them that she believed that they should not be doing that. They didn't believe her. She claims to have called the the state office of uh, campaign and political finance and and, uh, had her her take confirmed, and yeah, principals <laughs> to this day uh, have not indicated that they agree with it, um, but did agree to not send the thing out. It kind of like got pretty tense <laughs> over this thing pretty quickly, and I have to say it was also tricky having uh, you know one of the moving pieces of the story be our newspaper in, in this situation. Because you asked the questions about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway, Kathy Burek lost the election. Rachel Stoller, um, another candidate, won that seat on Tuesday. And, you know, who knows um, whether any of this influenced that. And Rachel Stoller won with 47% of the votes cast, according to this headline, which I'm sure you wrote. Yeah, Kathy Burek got like 33%. It was, it was a pretty yeah. big, you know, gap. A lot of it seemed to have been really strong turnout down in Montague Center, mm. Precinct 1, which is Kathy Burek's home precinct and which is the one that Stoller won by the widest margin. Taking out Montague Center, she still would have won, but it would have been a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Kathy is someone who, you know, is well-known in town, um, has been involved in an awful lot of things over the years as part of a well-recognized family. There is a road with their family name on it. And, you know, on a personal note, Kathy was like on the Montague Reporter board a few years ago and, you know, did a wonderful job. So I hope that she's not discouraged from participating in public life in the future because of this election. I also, you know, wish that she understood why people were so concerned to see that, um, which she doesn't, doesn't seem to be right now from talking with her. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Mike, I have a positive non sequitur. Would you like to hear it? Please. <laughs> I just want to shout out the love letter to Montague Libraries and love letter to libraries in general. That was on page A1 in yesterday's paper, May 19th. The headline is Our Neighborhood Gems, Montague Public Libraries. And it talks about the writer's early experiences with libraries, which... I kind of have a bit in common with and it delves into all the different services that you can get as a library and how the libraries are trying to serve the public. So shout out to that. And I love libraries too. Yeah, this was a really good piece. When we, for complicated and technical reasons, dropped back from 16 to 14 pages, I moved this from the front of the B section to the front of the A section. And then 
once it was there and I was looking at it, I was like, oh yeah, that should have been there to begin with. What am I doing? <laughs> Do you have a non sequitur? I actually have a huge non sequitur. I did not know, and I think that you brought it up probably two years ago when you were starting the podcast, that this podcast was on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's on WMCB. Yes, that's Western Mass Community Broadcasting. That's 107.9 FM in Greenfield. Noon on Wednesdays, is that our slot? Yes, our slot is noon on Wednesdays. And yeah, it was brought to my attention by someone who stumbled across us on the radio. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? It's a podcast. And they're like, no, I heard you on the radio. I was like, you were listening to a podcast? <laughs> and she was like, 107.9. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, that's great. Um, uh, GCTV has been giving you, you support, um, getting us set up, and I didn't know that that was also one of the things that they're doing. So if you are driving <laughs> around in your car and hearing this, you're listening to 107.9 FM, and we're going to um, maybe check in with them about not um, playing old ones repeated anymore because, <laughs> oops. And, and yeah, thanks to those folks for, for doing that. I've got, I guess, one other one, which is just the weird uh, children's page underground kind of continues to bubble around the Montague Reporter. I really liked the children's page in our May 12th edition. It was mm-hmm. like a, a little more hand-drawn than the past few have been. And then this week, our music columnists at Mont V Music Mountain reviewed the CD and DVD of the Love Light Sisters, which uh, is kind of like folks who are affiliated with the children's page. Yes, if this sparks your interest, check out the podcast a few months back. I think it was in January, profiling the children's page. You've been listening to the Montague Reporter Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like it, give us a review or rate the podcast. The Montague Reporter newspaper, no relation, is available at many local newsstands. And for home delivery, you can check us out at montaguereporter.org. Big thanks to Stella Silbert, who is the podcast editor. Thanks to Blue Dot Sessions for the music. And as always, thanks to Greenfield Community Television for technical support and for airing our podcast on the radio station. Thank you to you for continuing to make this podcast. And thanks to all of our listeners.